One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A view from the Bullins are delighted to announce that our second event in support of Everton in the community is on Thursday the 26th of August. Join us for an evening with Kevin Ratcliffe, Derek Mountfield, and Goodison Park Stadium announcer Graham White. A limited amount of tickets go on sale Friday the 2nd of April at 9am. For more information, please visit our website at www.thebullinsview.co.uk. We hope to see you all there for a great evening and a fantastic course. Hello and welcome to A View from the Bullins. With me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean and Ben Winstanley. Guys, this is the pre-match Crystal Palace podcast. Lee, Crystal Palace at home, Monday, 6pm kickoff. With with 10 games left, this one's a must-win, isn't it? Yeah, it really is a must-win. Feels like we've had a really long break. Well, we have. But it's a chance for Everton now to sort of take stock and re-evaluate things and think, right, we've got this one last push now, this last quarter of the season. And it's still... I don't know how, given the amount of times we've messed up opportunities, but there's still a massive chance to get something out of this season. Top four is still there, just. And again, I don't know how I'm saying that, but when you look at the table, it is. Um, but European football certainly is, is definitely still on for Everton. So it's a massive opportunity. Palace, I think if you, were, if you wanted to sort of handpick a fixture to come back to after an international break, Crystal Palace, they're, they're sitting in 12th. They've got nothing to play for. They're not in any danger of going down. Um, they're too far away from the European spots. They've got nothing to play for. They're sort of on the beach, as they used to say. Um, so Everton have got to take advantage of this at last and come out and put in a performance at home um, and, and get a convincing win so, to keep us in that, in that fight. Um, because I think we've said this before, the fixtures are still quite kind. 
Um, the, the opportunities there. I think Hamez coming back from injury is massive, like we've touched upon again. So hopefully he's uh, now that as Ben said last week, I think the, the warm weather's kicking in and the sun's coming out a little bit. So maybe Hamez will come into his own even more and we'll see sort of the form that we saw f- from him in the first half a dozen games. That'd be amazing if we, if we did. Mm. And we're just getting one or two players back. So it just feels, and, and obviously Calvert-Lewin will hopefully be on a, on a high after the um, contributions he's put in for England uh, over the last week. I'm sure he will be. Um, but Charleston was in form anyway. So you'd like to think, surely, you know, it's a favourable fixture. Palace are, are very, very up and down, more, more down than up. Um, we're at home. It's it's time to put a performance in and put these to bed. And I think mm. we will. Mm. Ben, just touching on what Lee just said there. It's very reminiscent of the games like Burnley at home, Fulham at home, you know, where this sort of game is a favourable game. But given where we are in the league, we're five points off Chelsea in fourth, three off West Ham in fifth, two off Spurs in sixth, and we are level, level with Liverpool in seventh, plus the game in hand we have. This one is a real chance, isn't it, to real stamp our, our authority? Thanks for reminding me of them games, Mick. Just got over them all and you've brought them all back into, back into my head. But no, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. It's uh, Like Lee said, it's a massive game. This It's got to be three points for Everton. It's, it's They're sitting in 12th place. Um, you've got to look at like, their stats as well. I think they've played 10, drawn 7, lost 12 with a minus 16 goal difference. So this is one of them teams that we don't like playing against. I think they've only scored 31 times in the Premier League, but they conceded 47. So... The, their problem, Palaces, is they're not scoring enough goals. Um, they started the season off quite well. I think Roy had them going at the start. I think they went to Old Trafford at the first game of the season and put them to bow with ease, if I remember rightly. Um, they looked at, they've got some exciting players as well. Um, obviously, they've got Eze, who they got from QPR last year. He's an exciting player. I actually quite like watching him as a player. He's direct, he's quick. Um, you've got your Zaha. Um, ben Teke will always seem to pull off something weird against us when he hasn't scored for months so they are going to be dangerous um, you're looking at their last five Premier League games they've got eight points um, so they, they won the last one as well against West Brom which is they, their fans were saying it was a massive win I don't know if they performed very well at all so but looking at Everton like Lee said we've got Hammers coming back um, I'm just praying the likes of Tom Davis and Beg God for you missed out on the uh, England under-21s game I don't know if that was just through fitness levels or if they picked up a slight knock. I don't know. I'm hoping they're back in and they can come slot straight back into our team to obviously uh, fill in the gaps. And But like you said, Mick, these are the games where Everton do struggle, where they put two banks to fall out and they say to us, come and break us down and we're going to play on the counter-attack. And they've got Jordan Ayew on the other wing, that Milivojevic, who is, a, I think, quite a tasty centre midfield player, good set-piece specialist as well. Um, but they've got pace, they've got Zaha up front, Eze, Ayew, they're going to be playing counter-attacking football, let's get it right, it'll be two banks of four, and they're going to say, come on, let's try and come and break us down. And that Guaita in goal, he, he, he's had some, uh, um, some really, really good games this year. Um, he's a decent level keeper, good shot stopper. Um, but you just look at their stats, like I said before, that they expect the goals literally just over one goal per game, but they're expected to concede nearly two a game. So you can see clearly where the issues are at the back. So Everton can't 
come out and just let them sit. We've got to try and get that early goal like we did against the teams like Southampton. And because when you we get that early goal, we seem to kick on. Uh, and we're still struggling to score second half, Mick. I think you've said it a few times in uh, late podcast. I think we scored in the second half of Premier League game for, for months. So it's vital that first goal going forward. And after the disappointing performance against Burnley, Everton needs to bounce back. It's massive three points. Somehow we're still in the mix, like Lee said before. I don't know how. And it just makes that defeat to Burnley even more hard to take because the results went for us last week. I know it feels like two months since we've last played. If it does for me, I can't remember the games, to be honest, Mick. So it's uh, it's just good to get back talking about Everton. No international football. Um, and we've been lucky with the games that we haven't had any big injuries. So obviously, like the Calvert-Lewins, etc. So it's a massive game. We've got to win this for me um, to push on for those European spots. And like the S and Paul touched on the last podcast, it's absolutely essential now that we do tie down Europe in that top seven position. Mm. Lee, looking at the fixtures this weekend as well, it's Arsenal versus Liverpool and Spurs travel to Newcastle, who, with all due respect, are fighting for their lives. So if Everton can win this game on Monday night, it could put a little bit of pressure, couldn't it, on on the teams around us? Yeah, I think there's been a couple of weekends similar where we've not taken advantage. Um, you know, but you just like to think, you know, the, the players surely, they look at the, the league tables, they've got plenty of spare time on the hands. They, they're aware of the situation and the possibility that's in front of us. Go and grab it, because although it seems all very strange now with no fans and COVID and things like that, that's not going to be the case forever. And the start of next season, they're going to be playing in front of fans again. And there's the opportunity there to be walking out of Goodison Park, knowing that there's only, what, two or three, well, three, more likely three seasons left to a full Goodison Park European football. It's a massive incentive. Also knowing that you're playing for a club with with bucket loads of money to spend, uh, whether or not we'll be allowed to spend it due to financial fair play, we should have maybe asked asked last week. I don't know. But you know that there's going to be the likelihood of really good top quality players coming in and joining in the summer. So it's a chance to go out and, and grab something and achieve something and salvage something out of a season which is promised a lot at certain points. Uh, don't let it fizzle out. There's 10 games left. Go and grab it. Um, but as Ben said there, I don't want this slow, ponderous start to a game where the tone gets set early on, the opposition then grows in confidence, grows in belief because it's still nil-nil after a half-time or whatever. Um, get get at it from the, from the first whistle. You know, Set the tone, set the tempo. It, it needs to be us dictating the play and attacking Crystal Palace. Because, you know, as, as again, as Ben said there, they're not a free-flowing, free high-scoring football side by any stretch of the imagination. So there shouldn't be that much emphasis on what's going on behind us. You know, so I don't want us coming out with a defensive mindset. We've got the players going forward to hurt these. So I'd just like to see us on the front foot and really going at Crystal Palace, setting the tone, as Ben said, get an early goal, settle the nerves a little bit, put, put to bed the sort of sort of bad memories of these recent home uh, games where we've been slow out of the blocks and we've dropped stupid, silly points. This second half record needs to be put to bed as well. It's ridiculous. You know, October since we scored a, a second half goal at Goodison, unbelievable. So if it is nil-nil or only one-nil at half time, come out and do the same in the second half as well. You know, start start quick. Um, show your intent straight away. Throw a couple of tackles in. Uh, and get on the front foot and, and get off the players you can play on the ball on the ball quickly mm. move it quickly maybe go a little bit more that direct like I've said uh, last week I don't know 
play to our strengths a little bit more because obviously what we've what we've been doing at home more often than not hasn't been working so it's time to maybe change things up a little bit and just be a bit more brave um but yeah there's a massive opportunity there and there's going to be teams dropping points all around us so let's make sure that we get three of them um on monday and work our way up that table and leave ourselves with a nice position with only single figures of games left mm. Ben, just looking ahead, our next two games are Crystal Palace at home and Brighton away. And then after that, we do have a difficult run. We have uh, Spurs, Arsenal, Villa and West Ham in quick succession. So for me, these next two games are probably going to decide where we roughly finish. I feel if we do well in these next two games, it really sets us up nicely. If we don't do too well in these next two games, we could find ourselves maybe seven, eight points adrift of of the top six. Do you think these next two games are our season's riding on them? Um, as we said on the Bullens phone with some of the great fan guests we had in it's the, the, the running isn't that bad I don't think um, I think it was Matt Smith that talked about it when he came on and you look you got your Palace and Brighton which for me Mick as you said they are massive games and they are going to set us up but you look at the other teams Spurs, Arsenal, Villa um, I, I think we should still have the firepower to like put these teams to bed. You've seen it before, Spurs away, um, Arsenal at home. We, we put the, them teams to bed and picked up viable six points in them two games. So the running isn't that difficult for me. You look at the Man City away, last game of the season. Now, if they've had it all wrapped up, then you could go at them. But apart from that game, Mick, I, I can see us going at every single game. There's nothing to be afraid of from our running. You, you look at like your Man City's, your United games and... Th- they're not there. We've played them home and away now. We've got the difficult ones out of the way. And you look after that, you've got to still got to play Villa home and away, West Ham away, Sheffield United, Wolves. These are the teams that are, are around us, especially them that Aston Villa, two games on the West Ham game. I'm pretty sure seventh is going to guarantee European football, especially with City looking to push on in every competition. And that's what we've got to got to aim for we've got to get Europe it's it's massive for me and obviously for the Premier League sustainability you've got more of an income coming into the club so if we can get six points off these next two games it eases the pressure off that Aston Villa game especially and the Spurs and Arsenal game like you quite rightly said so I completely agree with you Mick there to be honest it just set us up get us a nice little momentum going the sun's out Hammers will be in the sun again he'll be uh, looking to free up getting this this well, this technicality back up again and get us these goals and the flair that we've been missing because let's not let's let's, let's not beat around the bus. We haven't played well for uh, a long time. Um, I think we obviously tried to tackle the formation issues earlier on in the season where we were scoring goals, playing well, but conceding. Um, but the past few games where we have picked up the wins, we haven't played well. You look back, obviously, the West Brom game and Southampton, which I don't think we, we played reasonably well, but I've stated on previous podcasts, I'd happily play atrociously and pick up the 1-0 wins and push on for the top top four and especially top seven. So I don't care how the wins come about. I just want to get three points on the table, but we it's imperative that we don't drop more points at home and especially against Crystal Palace. No disrespect to Palace. I think Roy Hodgson's done a really good job there, especially with the budget he's had. But come on, Everton, these are the games where we've really got to put teams to bed. And I've been saying it for weeks. Let's try and set the tone, set an example for the teams around us to show that Everton are in business here. We are looking to push on. We are looking to get the points on the board and be in and around the mix. Because as stated earlier, we are somehow still in the mix. for top four. Got a games in hand against Aston Villa, home and away. And, they're going through a bit of a bad 
run of form as well, and they're not unbeatable. Um, Sheffield United at home, Wolves at home. It's it, it's in our hands, Mick. If we, if the club and Ancelotti wants to get it and the players want it, it's there for them, for me. It's in our hands. We can push on. We can get the points we need to, to obviously get the fans excited over the summer and hopefully ease a bit of that Premier League sustainability, what Paul talked about on the uh, the last podcast. And a few outgoings, a few incomings, and we'll be we'll be we'll have a decent enough squad for me to obviously balance out the European games as well. Because as Ratcliffe said, he was unsure if we we had the actual squad to go for European football next year. But we it's imperative that we do get that to obviously get the players in, sell a few this year, bring players in, and look to develop this squad further and make this Carlo Ancelotti squad. So. The next two games, Mick, are vital. If we can get six points from them, it will really put us in good stead for the run and for the season for me. And like I said before, the games aren't ones you look at and go, oh, I'm not so sure about this one. Are we going to do an Everton? It's in our hands and we can push on now. So for me, Mick, need six points out the next two. Mm. Lee, do you agree with that? Do you feel these next two games, Crystal Palace and Brighton, that they're, they're imperative that we get six points to kick on for the season? Yeah. Definitely agree with Ben, agree with you. Um, if we can do that, I think it demoralises the teams around us as well. Because I think what we're doing at the minute is because we're taking one step forward and two steps backwards every other week, we're keeping other teams enthused and we're, we're keeping other teams in it. So, like Ben said there, you know, if we can go out and apply ourselves the way we should and the way we can um, and allow the quality that we've got on the pitch compared to Crystal Palace and Brighton to do the talk, and then we should be coming away with six points. And yeah, what that will then say to the teams around us is, OK, Everton have got their act together. Everton aren't messing around. They, they, they want Europe. And it puts the pressure on them then. And then that, that pressure will sneak into their performances and hopefully you'll see the teams around us dropping points. Um, because we've said it before, if Everton don't get European football this season after the opportunity that's being presented in front of us, it's going to be a huge disappointment and one that we, I think, will struggle to get over. And I think the repercussions of not getting European football could be quite drastic when you think of some of the top players that we've got who, who, who may start looking elsewhere because um, they might be thinking, OK, this this Everton project, it's it's stalling again and it's not quite getting off the ground. We need to get European football back. It needs to be a regular occurrence. Obviously, the first natural step would be getting back into that Europa League um, because I don't think we're ready for Champions League football, certainly not with the squad that we've got now. But with, you know, like, like Ben's just alluded to there, with the right incomings and outgoings and the right work on that squad, it's going to be more than ready for, for Europa League next year. So we've just got to go out and get it. And it's, it's a European uh, year. So obviously the Euros are on in the summer. You want to be able to relax. You know, all, all the restrictions are going to be getting lifted. You want to be able to enjoy watching this tournament, knowing Everton have got European football to look forward to next year. And, and a more exciting transfer window as well because we'll be able to attract this quality of players. But there's no excuse not to get six points. You know, you, you're playing two teams there who were really, like I mentioned earlier, stuck in the middle, nothing really to play for. Um, so, but, it, but it can go both ways. So are they on the beach or are they relaxed? And, and obviously a relaxed performance can sometimes be a dangerous performance and a dangerous opponent. So you just don't know. But let's get it right. The 11 that we can, we're going to put on the pitch on Monday and then next week against Brighton are going to be much better than, than the 11 that we're facing. So let's show it. Let's go out and get the uh, let's get the six points. 
I'm actually quite confident that we will. I'm hoping that this is sort of a, a, re- a reset button that's being pressed with this international break and the players have got their heads around the opportunity that's in front of them. And I think, yeah, just getting a couple of players back to full fitness as well um, is certainly going to help us. And I, I do expect six points. Mm. And it's not everyone's favourite day of game on Monday night, but it might help Carlo Angelotti Martin it with the likes of Calvert-Lewin coming back off international duty. Uh, I know it's the same for both teams, but it, it might benefit Everton Martin it having the likes of Calvert-Lewin having an extra few days training at Finch Farm. Oh, Absolutely. Um, you look at obviously we've got a team now full of internationals and obviously under twenty one internationals as well with Godfrey and Davison. You look at James Coleman; he's just he's just played three games internationally over the past week, which I'm a bit astounded by. He's been getting at that at his age playing two hundred seventy minutes of football in over the space of <laughs> of a week. So I was kind of hoping he'd be fit and fresh and ready to go for for, for Everton again, getting back in at the uh, the right back position. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Obviously, they've been away from the uh, the team, different tactics, different players around them. Uh, it'd be good to get them back in the squad and running in with everyone. And obviously, you got Hammers back in training, which we stated before is absolutely massive. Um, hopefully, Tom Davis is back fit. Because for me, I think he would slot back into the team. And you've got to look at what what formation and stuff is, is Carlo Ancelotti going to go for. Is he going to go for the 4-3-3, 4-4-2, 5-3-2, We've seen all these different positions getting thrown about and it's it's going to be a strange one against Palace, obviously with the 4-4-2 formation. So you need your players back from international duty to slot back in to obviously go through tactics again because obviously the likes of Carver-Loon's been away for a week, been away from Finch Farm hasn't seen what Carlo wants to apply his style of play to this game and address what tactics he wants to do, who's going to be playing where, is is Calvert-Lewin going to be running the channels, is he going to be a hold-up striker, you just don't know. And is he looking to go two up front, one up front with close wingers? There's all kinds goes on behind the scenes, Mick. So it's going to be get him in for the couple of days training um, and obviously look for the tactics and formations now. I was just having a little nose to see what I'd looking to play against Crystal Palace, obviously with the 4-4-2, and I'd probably look to go back to our 4-3-3 formation, Mick, to be honest. Um, obviously, hopefully either Pickford's back or Falson's back, um, hopefully one of them in goal. I was hopefully looking at getting Seamus Coleman in at the right back, but that all depends on how much game time, as I stated before. Is he fresh enough to play it right back to feel like we've, we've missed that right-hand side overlapping over the past couple of weeks especially with Mason Holgate going there and playing a team like Crystal Palace I think Coleman could overlap and generate that space and I'd be looking to obviously use that more attack and threat um, I'd look to probably play Mina and Godfrey's centre-halves um, and Lucas Dean uh, as your left-back because obviously you're looking at Palace coming forward the quick you need Godfrey there no matter what um, and I think Mina really can obviously challenge the likes of Ben Teke so that probably isolates him out the game I'd probably be looking to play Tom Davis as the six um, going forward. I think he's been missed in the middle to control the game and moving Allen further forward for me, as we've seen against Leeds United and previously before Christmas, where I thought he's had one of our best games for Everton, playing a bit of a higher centre midfield role, going up and down, filling in the the, uh, the legs where Decore is going to be so massively missed. And I'd be playing Hammers in that 10 role, but in that two centre midfielders in like a 4 3 3. And Calvert-Lewin up front, Richarlison on the left, but playing a lot closer to Calvert-Lewin. And 
a bit of a, a, a random one for the right. I know you've got your Awobi, your Bernard, but I'd like to see Josh King um, get a run a minute. I know it's been well speculated this week that we might not be extending his contract and he might not be with the surplus of requirements, but I'd like to see him get some minutes, um, especially against teams like Crystal Palace. And that would be my lineup, make it in the 4 3 3 formation and really go at them, but play not wide strikers up front but get quite narrow and close and then use your overlapping fullbacks to generate the space and get some crosses into the box with, with obviously Carver-Lewin with Charleston and even Josh King's a big lad and get on the end off so yeah that's what I'll be looking for uh, going forward Mick. it's absolutely essential that we get the players back in from international duty so Ancelotti can lay down his tactics going forward mm. Guys we'll come back to predictions in a short while I just want to talk, touch on uh, Thierry Smalley uh, reports are coming out that he's going to reject a three-year professional contract of Everton to seek first-team opportunities elsewhere. Uh, a bit of a strange one, this one for me. I mean, Manchester United, Arsenal, Brighton and Brentford are all linked with Thierry Small. Given he's only 16, and I know he's meant to be an outstanding 16-year-old, uh, are you a bit surprised with this one? Yes. See you later, mate, for me. me. I think that it's a massive red flag. Um, I'm sorry, but at, at 16 years of age with uh, <laughs> France's full international left-back and Nkunku in front of you, I think it's massively, massively over the top to be uh, sort of laying down those demands at 16. Um, he's at a club where, obviously, he's, he's learning from two t- really, really good left-backs in front of him. He's, uh, it's not as if he's been in and around the first team or he's 19, 20 years of age. Even then, that's a push. You know, with you know, when you consider a left back will probably play until 33, 34, he's got 18 years ahead of him. What's the rush? Um, so you know, if he's making these demands now, I don't know whether he's trying to get a better contract, you don't know uh, the politics behind the scenes. Um, but he's not going to get in ahead of Luca Dean, so he can he can stamp his feet all he wants. For me, I think if he's displaying that attitude this early on, I'd be inclined to let him go. I certainly wouldn't be bent over a barrel. Um, offering them all sorts of money to stay because it's a position we're well stocked in um, and it's unrealistic to expect to come into the first team ahead of Luca Dean. I'm sorry, it's not it's not going to happen. We've seen Nkunku at the start of the season. He's a really, really good player. He's shown massive promise. He's ahead of him in the pecking order. There's no no question about it. If Luca Dean, you know, God forbid, let's hope it never happens, but if he ever got an injury, I'd, I'd want Nkunku to get an opportunity because he, he, I think he warranted it and he did really, really well at the start of the season and he's been in and around the squad, whereas this lad hasn't. So a massive surprise for me, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think 16, you're still a kid. You, 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 you can't be making those sorts of demands you, uh, unless you're Wayne Rooney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you think back to Wayne Rooney at 16, that's, that's a different kettle of fish. I don't know whether the hype around this lad is, is, is as big as that, but Wayne Rooney at the time didn't have full internationals in front of him. He was coming into a relatively poor Everton side. This is completely different. So, no, not, not having that one, Mick, sorry. He can go as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And I know I touched on it off air. Um, you know, in my opinion, it's very, very rare that a 16-year-old, you know, bursts onto the first team and cements a first-team spot. I know Lee's just mentioned Wayne Rooney there, but it's still a very rare case. I, I personally don't have much sympathy with Thierry Small if he's feeling a bit unhappy about not getting first-team action just yet. What are your thoughts? It's disappointing to see, is it? Because he's clearly a, a hot prospect right now. And 
look, if, if you can't, if you don't want to push yourself and play for the shirt and force your way into the Premier League team that's managed by Carlo Ancelotti, as Lee said, it's, it's you're not you're not motivated enough for me, and it's time to go. It's um, it, 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 it's not going to be easy for him. Look, it, is it the easy way out for him going? Probably, and he probably will get first team football somewhere. But I'm all about probably playing at the best club um, and at the the best you can do to force your way into that starting eleven. Because, like Lee said, they got Lucas Dean, who's probably the best left back in the Premier League. Looking at stats and stuff, you, you can't argue with stats at the moment. He probably is up there, the best left back in the Premier League. And in Kunku, like we said before, he came onto the scene and performed really well early doors in the season. So. It looks like the easy way out for me. He's probably looked in the future for us. I'm not probably not going to get a sniff. So what's the point? Which is, it is disappointing to see. Um, like you said, Mick, off there, you, you get these rare cases where you look at your Wayne Rooney, your, your Jubilingham from uh, Birmingham, who are just extraordinary players and have developed far early, earlier than most players around them. And they are just superior. But it's very rare. And I don't, he's not in that bracket, is he? So you look at the stats this year. Things only played 19 times for Everton this season. Um, obviously, in the Premier League, um, two the, the classes like the under 21s, he's played nine times, scored three goals, one assist. And before that, he's played 10 games for the under 18s, scored three goals, uh, no assists. So he's clearly uh, a bit of a hot prospect around all the clubs, like you said, Mick United, Arsenal, Brighton, Brentford. And look, if you want to go and play your footy for Graham Potter, uh, over Carlo Ancelotti, then be my guest because you're not going <laughs> to learn as much, are you? From Graham True. Potter. No, no disrespect, but I'm sorry, but if I was a player at 16 and I had someone at the helm like Carlo Ancelotti who, who can talk to you, get you integrated with the first team, sh- look, he, he, he did the best, didn't he? Maldini, Nesta, look at them players, how he improved them. Ancelotti back at the AC Milan days. It's, mm. it's just a strange decision and a, just a bit bad timing for the lad. But if, like I said, Nick, if you can't, don't want to perform for one of the, the greatest, then see you later. We'll take you £1 million and use that elsewhere to potentially help with wages and sustainability for the future. So it's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. We've got a good quality left back now and, and Kunku knocking on the door too. So it's one of them. It would be a loss, but it's, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Mm. Lee, just touching on what Ben's just said, it is a bit of a strange one. I mean, if you went to say Manchester United, it's going to be the same story there. They're going to have a couple of senior left backs ahead of him and the same at Arsenal. And then it only leaves him, you know, rumoured Brighton and Brentford. And with all due respect, you wouldn't go there, would you? Let's be honest. No, I've just think I was just thinking exactly that. Mick. It's not an April Fool, is it? No, no. You know, <laughs> he hasn't gone and, and announced this and and forgot to say it's an April Fool. It's it seems mad. Like you say, you're not going to get in at Man United's first team. You're not going to get in Arsenal's first team either. Not at 16 as a defender. It's just not going to happen. And then. The, the other alternatives, Brighton and, and stuff, do you really want to be going and playing bottom half, losing every week? Uh, you know, the, the real possibility of relegation as well. Do you really want to go through that? And then where's your career? Mm. You know, the, the, there's so me- many positives in staying at Everton. You're playing and you're learning and you're training every day with Luca Dean. You know, the best left back in the league for me. I don't, I don't care what anyone says he is. He's, he's, he's quality. You know, you're learning from that day in, day out. It's a great apprenticeship. You're learning from Carlo Ancelotti, who's Ben's just said there, he's right. He's coached and managed and he's oversaw the progression of so many world-class players. You know, Marcelo at Real Madrid. You know, you know all of these players. And, and you think, 
I'm better off elsewhere. I'm sorry if he, if, it's, if, it, if he's thinking along those lines this early on. I think that brings his attitude into question for me. Um, it's have a bit of patience and you know trust the process a little bit because it's just it's an unrealistic ambition. Um, I don't know what he expects Evan to turn around and say, "Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. We'll we'll, we'll transfer this Luca Dean and we'll and we'll tell Nkunku to come back next week. You're not playing. It, it's it mm, no, not not for me. Sorry, I think he's made a massive boo boo there. Mm. Well, he joined the club at the age of 11, um, but he's not a local. He's from Solihull and his dad played for, for Aston Villa. Ben, is this where you, you know, agents may be talking to him, maybe saying, you know, you have no allegiance to Everton. Let's try and get a, a professional contract early door somewhere else, you think? Oh, yeah. We, we, you can all see how important agents are in football this year, uh, in football in general. You can just see from the reports uh, published this week that, I think Everton have paid £14 million pounds in, obviously, agent fees over the past 12 months, which it's, a, it's an actual drop of £2 million from the year before, which just shows you how much agents getting plays here to try and get the best deal. Now, we don't know the terms and conditions of this three-year deal that we supposedly offered Thierry Small, and he might be being greedy, wanting more money, wanting first-team fussy. Look, players' heads are going to get turned if someone says, like, the likes of Arsenal, Brentford, or the other ones, Brighton, um, or United, like you said, Nick, that, yeah, they're going to offer you more money for three years, maybe even a longer deal, um, and they'll look to obviously push you in for the first team. Then, look, it is going to sway you, isn't it? But, as I said before, I don't I don't like players taking the easy option for themselves. And, like you said, with, with the Josh King deal, when that happened, I, I respected him for that because... You look at that deal, he could have gone to Fulham on a three-year contract and sorted himself out for three years where he's took the, the harder option. And look, it hasn't worked. We can all say it hasn't worked, but at least he, he tried and took, the, took the, the, uh, the harder option and hasn't fought so selflessly and thought about the I want to prove it still at a top-level club. But yeah, look, he's a young boy um, and he's going to be easily led. Like you said, Mick, there's no allegiance to actually Everton themselves. So... I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It probably will be a big miss um, and it could come to bite us in the bum in a few years' time. But at this moment in time, he's not Wayne Rooney levels, is he, at that age? And he's not knocking on the door. He's not in the match day squads. So, yeah, it's one of them. We'll take the money and go. It is disappointing to see, but it's not the end of the world for those Blues. Well, we watch watch with interest with that one. Guys, prediction time. It's Crystal Palace at home on Monday at 6pm. Lee, I'm going to come to you first. What's your prediction? Um, I think we're finally going to put this topsy-turvy record to bed at home and I think we'll win 3-0. Oh, 3-0. Confident. Yeah. Ben? I'm going to go over a bit of reverse psychology here. Now, every time I've said a home win, it's backfired. So, I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. And in, in, the, in the hope that we get a win. <laughs> and I'm going to go 1-0 Everton. 1-0. Just a reminder for you all, tomorrow at 9am, tickets come out for our second event. We'd love to see you all there. It's Kevin Ratcliffe, Derek Mountfield and Everton Stadium announcer Grey and White, all in the aid of Everton in the community. Last time we had an event, our tickets sold out in less than 24 hours. So you need to be fast. Take care and all the very best. Thanks for listening to A View from the Bullens in partnership with the Fitzrovia Bell London, the official away day pub for all Evertonians. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.